0: believe, and become. Enjoy. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> well, good morning. I am Larry Nunley. I am Jamie's dad and Ann's husband. And it's really good to have the opportunity to introduce one of my really good friends uh, to share his heart with you this morning. About... Uh, About 15 years ago, I got a call from Randy Grantham, and she uh, was one of the young ladies in the church that I deeply loved and respected, and she had a a relationship going with with a young guy that I'd never met before, and she said they were struggling a little bit, and she wanted to know if they could just come by and maybe get, you know, a little bit of marital wisdom or relationship wisdom, which I have some after 52 years, but so she brought Eugene. So the first time I met Eugene. And I loved the guy just immediately. I mean, he was a cool guy. But as we talked about what was going on and he shared about what's going on in his life, I, I, I realized pretty quickly he just wasn't saved. <laughs> so I invited him to uh, join the family of God and accept Jesus as Savior. And he said, yes. And so now I want to give you uh, Eugene Nguyen, please give him a warm welcome. Good
1: morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, so fun fact, Larry and I have the same exact shoes on today. So, either he's like really, really stylish, or I got my old man game going on. <laughs> I love you, but legit, we got the same shoes on right now. Just took them out the box last night. <laughs> um, well let me hit my timer. And I uh, just want to take this moment to thank you guys for letting me share a little bit about my story. Sup, folks, um, If I'm being honest, this is uh, something I really did not care to do. Um, A lot of stuff that I'm going to share with you all is stuff that a lot of my close friends don't even know. Um, It's a lot of stuff that I've just kind of kept internally because that's kind of what guys do. Don't really talk about emotions or things that we dealt with just because that's just not what you do if you're a dude, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, so my story, I'm just another dude. Pretty self-explanatory. I'm really just another guy in my opinion right? So I'm going to be jumping around. So try to follow. um, But I do ask that you guys cut me some slack. Give me a little bit of grace. I'm going to be jumping around everywhere. And again, a lot of this stuff I'm sharing, it's not stuff I really care to share, but it's stuff that God wanted me to speak in front of, or speak to you guys about, Hey Peggy. And uh, I got to quit doing that. Um, So just, just, Cut me some slack, all right? Keep your heart open. It's gonna get a little interesting, all right? So, I'm gonna start out with uh, my move here in 2003 to Thomasville, Georgia. Uh, Not knowing that I had baggage, right? Quote, unquote, baggage. I had a lot of it. Um, I dealt with uh, fear. I dealt with a lot of shame, insecurity, unworthiness. And uh, actually, one of my big ones that I didn't mention even in the first service was unforgiveness. Like, you do one thing to me one time, oh yeah. I'm never talking to you again. That was a normal thing for me, unfortunately. But um, I didn't realize I had these issues. I just thought that, "Ah, I'm just a regular guy and these are just normal things and I'm going to be fine, right? Eventually, these issues that I had turned me to substance. So I told myself, yeah, I'm just going to put this stuff up my nose, and I'm going to forget everything, or everything's going to be okay. And we all know how that story goes. Didn't work out too well. I will say though, like I dropped like 40 pounds. I was looking good. (laughs) I was looking super good, guys. Super good. And and things got bad. They got real bad. Uh, But before I share anything about that stuff, um, I do think it's relevant to talk a little bit about my childhood. Um, we are all a subject of our environment, so things that we experience as kids, they kind of translate over to your young adult life, and if you let them, your adult life. So I felt that it was kind of important for me to share a little bit about this, to kind of paint a little bit of a picture. Uh, I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts, Yeah, there it is. So the guy sitting down with the bunny ears, I've been getting clowned on my whole life. That guy, that's actually me, and it looks exactly like my son Grant, which is hilarious. The guy standing next to me, that's my big brother. His name is Hong. I'm going to talk to you guys more about that guy later. So culturally speaking, uh, things were just different for us. Um, My parents, they were born and raised in South Vietnam, and I'll share a little bit more about that later. But life was just different for them. So for me, I was born in Concord, Massachusetts. We were all born in the United States. So what we knew growing up was what we saw around us. Regular Caucasian American people, just, just American, let me get the Caucasian out. Just regular American people that didn't eat fish and rice every day, that had normal families, that had each other's backs, that actually communicated with each other that's kind of what I was expecting really didn't work out that way. And, and things started to get interesting for me as I look around, like, why, why was my childhood so different? Right now I do have to preface this. Like we never went without like my parents worked hard. Like I'm talking hard. We never really saw them growing up. They were always working. So we always had food on the table, roof over our heads, um, there was one more clothes on our backs we actually were totally fine there um, but the, the communication I can't emphasize that enough communication which I still struggle with today was just wasn't there oh what Oh, my wife's looking at me crazy okay you can be like that and put your picture back up here so communication it just didn't happen right growing up um I learned at a very young age that rank in the family actually matters. And by rank, I mean, what number child are you? So, what I'd like to do. There it is. There it is. That's my competition, guys. That's the competition. So the guy um, with their schmuck smile, that's my brother. I love him. But the smile on his face, that's my big brother, Han. Am I allowed to say that word, Jamie? Okay, cool. That's my big brother. He's number one, the chosen one, numero uno, right? That's, that was like my big competition growing up. <laughs> Directly next to him, that's my little brother. His name is Kendall. He was the baby, baby boy. That joker didn't have to do nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. And then <laughs> the, the shortest one, I her to death, is my little sister Kim. She was the only girl in the family, okay? So if you guys stack rank us, oldest brother Han, chosen one, Eugene, number two, Kim, baby girl three, Kendall, baby boy, four. So I kind of grew up being like, in my mind, the disposable child. Right? Because like when I look at my childhood, and I'm going to share a little more about that, I, I felt like I was just treated differently. Plain and simple. They just got treated better than I did. Um, when I was nine years old, my parents moved us to Illinois. They were tired of corporate America. They didn't like paying taxes, that kind of thing. So they, got, so they got a grocery store, moved the whole family. And I remember being introduced to the uh, father of the Catholic church we went to. His name was uh, Jack Gwian, Father Gwian. And, oh, man, my, my mom, hey, Father Gwinn, this these are my, my two kids. This is, this is Han. He's our number one. He's going to do great things right? Oh, and then there's Eugene. We haven't figured out what he's going to do yet. And that's what I grew up with. I mean, that's just what it was for me, right? And I, I started to develop this complex, like, I'm not the number one kid, or I'm not a special kid. I'm just a kid that is here to take up space. I never really questioned it a whole lot. Um, my, uh, again, my parents being a little different uh, communication, not a, not a thing. And had I asked, I mean, I was scared what, would, what the response would have been. Because my dad was just not a nice guy. He, he's pretty cool now. But at that time, it was very challenging. Very challenging for me. Okay? So, parents move all of us to Illinois, Running this grocery store, and I'm nine. I'm in the fifth grade. I'm just trying to get by. I just want to get that Jordan 45 jersey. That's when Jordan came back with the 45. I remember that was like a bookmark in my life. I was getting one of those. And I was stocking shelves, I was mopping floors, I was running registers Monday through Friday, every day after school. The expectation was I'm getting on my bike, I'm going to work, still close. And then I repeat. Saturday, open to close. Sunday, go to Mass. Catholic Church, it's a little difficult too. As soon as Mass was done, I got to rush back to the store because the Sunday crowd was coming in and we got to get paid. Then I close and then I repeat. It was seven days a week for me, right? Again, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I'm the, only fa- I'm the only kid that's working here, all right? I remember um, throwing ba- bags of rice on my back because, you know, we, we, we don't buy rice by the one-pound bag. Y'all just wasting your time. Get the 25-pound bag, okay? <laughs> so I'm throwing these bags of rice on my back, 25 pounds. Yeah, let me get that 50. I got that. And uh, I'm getting them off the truck. I'm throwing them in the corner, making my stacks. And I finish a stack, grab another bag, I come back, and I see my big brother, the chosen one. He's sitting on my stack that I just made with his little notepad, just drawing stuff. I'm like, okay, something's wrong with this. Something's definitely wrong with this. Why am I the only one having to put in the work here, right? So then my complex just got crazier. Okay, so... So you're going to hook him up. He ain't got to do nothing. He can go doodle and stuff. But I I have to work every day after school? Okay. One day, (laughs) that's where it gets funny. One day, it was a Wednesday, and it's a half day. So I'm thinking, okay, my parents have no idea it's a half day. Instead of going right to work, I'm going to get on my bike, and I'm going to go play some baseball with my buddies. Right? I deserve it. I'm a kid. I should be able to play some ball go play ball, have a killer, killer round of baseball. Like I'm crushing it, about 7.50 I hit at it that day, for real, it was like good stuff. Baseball, not softball, baseball, baseball. And we don't have cell phones, definitely didn't have a watch, so by the time I got to work, I'm about an hour late. One thing I didn't think about too, guys, so again, I got a big brother, little brother, little sister. Well, when I got out of school early, so did those jokers right er i get to work my dad says hey where have you been and i i i freak out like i panic cuz i'm thinking i'm not allowed to have fun like that's just not something i'm allowed to do <laughs> which is like kind of crazy so i lied cuz I mean i i used to be a pretty good liar now i'm pretty i'm pretty bad at it but Back then, I was pretty bad because I was learning how to lie back then. So I freak out. I panic. I said, oh, I took a different way to work, and I got lost. Yeah, that was the wrong answer. So my dad says, hey, get in the office. I'll meet you there. And I'm in the sixth grade at this time. And um, my dad comes in, closes the door behind me. He grabs the first thing he can find, and it's an ice scraper. So it's like a two foot long stick, like about that round with blue bristles, like going all crazy because the sucker's like 10 years old and should have threw it away anyway. But he grabs that and he hits me three times with it. And I know it's three times because I like looked in the mirror and I can see the whoop, whoop, right? Granted, I lied. Did I deserve it? Nah, Probably right and it was effective in the sense that i wasn't late to work ever again for them but it was something that stuck with me and it further validated eugene you are here to work that's your job and that that was that was challenging for me young guy just trying to figure it out right and I wasn't getting paid, by the way. Like, I can eat all the cool snacks I wanted, but I was not getting paid. Which made no sense, because isn't that the American way? You know? My dad says it is, at least. Anyway, how's my time looking here, guys? Okay, just keep going. Okay, cool, 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 um, cool. So. Get through this whole grocery store thing. My parents then eventually sell the grocery store, move everybody back to New Hampshire, and they pick up a couple of nail salons. And same thing. Eugene, you're up. You're going to answer the phones. You're going to dust and vacuum. We're going to teach you how to paint fingernails, which I actually thought was kind of cool at the time because I'm hanging out with girls all day. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, bet. I will do that. Oh, yeah. So I kind of volunteered for that job too, but um, my my parents still made me work, right? And again, as I look at my siblings, the stack ranking—now those jokers are on the clock. They're sitting at the house watching Magic School Bus, you know, like being kids. And I'm I'm just I'm confused, like why, why, like why do I have to do this, and why why do they get the free pass? So again, communication, terrible. I had nothing to say. I just thought about it, got really angry, and didn't say nothing. Bottled it up and walked on, right? Now, this is where it gets real hairy. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm putting in the work. Those jokers aren't, but I am. My big brother, chosen one, turned 16, junior in high school. My parents gift this guy. Like, he didn't even have his license a week. Gift him. 99 Camry. Off the trailer. Thing had two miles on it. Six-disc changer. The The boy's Bose sound system. Brand new car off the lot. And I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah. My time's coming. Like, check the time card, Dad. Your boy's been there. When I turned 16... It's my time. It's what I thought. Never had the formal conversation. So 16 comes. I'm still putting in the work. Do you guys think my car came? Answer's no. (sighs) Never came. I didn't ask questions. I just kind of rolled with it. 17 came. Still no ride. Turned 18. Summer going into sophomore year in college, my, my dad and mom challenged me, hey, you're off for the summer, you gotta go back to Miami in a couple months, put in the work, put in the work, we will match whatever you save and we'll help you buy a car and we'll pick up the insurance. I'm like, okay, that's reasonable, I'm still a little salty, didn't get me a new ride, but I can live with that, it's better than nothing, right? By that time, I had boycotted the nail shops like that. When I turned 16 and didn't get rid, right, I was done. I was like, I'm not working for you guys. I'm going to go pick up a job doing dishes at a hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Actually kind of propelled me into wanting to be a, a chef. But I was done with my family. Done with my mom and dad. Super salty with my big brother. Why does he get all this cool stuff, and I'm just the guy that has to work? My little brother and sister, I mean, they're kids. They don't know anything. Like, they actually probably knew more than me. And I'm giving them a raw deal just because I feel like they're getting a better deal than me. So I shut down. I go work out, uh, doing dishes on my own, still coming home. The only obligation was, Eugene, just be home before we wake up. That was the one, one thing my parents said. Aside from if you get arrested, do not call me. I was actually talking to Larry about that earlier. My my dad made it clear don't waste your phone call on me. Because I I was doing stupid things, guys. You know, I developed this complex not a complex, but a mentality, the whole YOLO, right? You only live once. Like if if I work hard, I should be able to play hard. And I played pretty hard. Like to drink occasionally, picked up uh smoking a lot of reefer. That was that was a big part of my my young adult life, if I'm being honest. It ain't funny, Brandon, <laughs> but it's the truth, and I'm being—I'm just being honest. Like that's just what I did. I went to work, got enough so I can smoke reefer. Went to school. Well, sorry, slept. Went to school, and then repeat. That's—that's—that was the bulk of my young adult life. Okay. So let's fast forward to 2003. We're in Thomas County. It's a little different here, right? <laughs> I'm from up north. Y'all say I talk funny. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> I got your click. Where's your clicker at? Where's your clicker at? Anyway. I got now my wife's going to kill me for that one. But it was different, right? So I come here. I got all this baggage. I think I got it all together. Um, but I obviously don't. Like, I am straight up damaged property. The second I touch down in Thomas County, I'm damaged property. And I, to go on top of all this other stuff that I've been dealing with, um, insecurity, not good enough, shame, fear, all of the above. On top of all that, right? I start having to deal with like racism. Like it, it occurred to me when I moved to Thomasville. Oh snap, Eugene's Asian, right? <laughs> it it came in in spats, like in small sections of my young life, but it wasn't really. Bad until I kind of got here. Like people would go out of their way just to make like a kung fu noise, which is which is hysterical. Because like when people do kung fu, they really don't make noises like that, right? Like check check your home or do your homework, guys. It's not really like that. Um, you know, people making like metal banging noises like that's how the Asian culture talks. It's like, hey, bruh. First of all, I speak English better than you. <laughs> Second of all, let's go talk about this outside, right? Um, thankfully, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, physically violent. I, I, I would have probably got crushed in a fight, if I'm being honest. Never got into a real fight in my life, but verbally, like, I was a surgeon. Like, I used a lot of rough words, a lot of, a lot of choice words, because that was the only way I could express my anger, and that's all i knew how to do was it was to be really mean with my words and i met that girl the boss lady that's my boss lady that's my wife. <laughs> it's my everything guys um she had no idea what i was going through i can't look at her now oh man She had no idea what I was going through. Um, She, we met, we actually met at the nail salon. Her story is a little different than mine. She was super snotty, but, but, but it kept me in the game and engaged. I'm like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta know more about this girl. (laughs) So whatever it was, the tactic, it was effective cause she got a lockdown. (laughs) Cause here we are today, we're married. Anyway, so I meet Randy in 2004, and uh, within a few months of being with each other, um, we actually have like our first like knockout drag out fight. It was on Smith Avenue, and and it was a it was a stupid stupid fight. Goodness gracious, so stupid. It was these guys like the, she just got done with the Rose City Parade, right? Rose City Parade, and. These guys were trying to holler at her, you know, saying whatever guys say. And she, like, didn't do anything about it. She just kind of dealt with it. And that was not acceptable to me. Like, nuh-uh, uh-uh, you're my boo. Ain't nobody going to talk to my boo like that. Uh, you going to handle this. This is what you should say. And, like, and she's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're my, you're my girl. I got to protect you. You got to know how to protect yourself. And she knew how to protect herself. Um, and quite honestly she was just like way more mature than I was she just ignored it but I didn't, I didn't think that was the right way to deal with it so anyway me and her actually not even me and her I'm yelling at her like dude you are crazy you have no idea what you're doing and Randy's just confused we're on Smith Avenue and that was like our first big fight right and the, the verbal abuse with me and Randy because uh, she started giving it back you girls down south, y'all spicy down here. Randy, woo, Randy. Randy could protect herself against me. That's all I'm going to say. She, she can hold her own. She'll be all right in a street fight. She'll be all right in a street fight. Um, but that, that, was, that, was, that was our relationship, right, for the first few years. And most of the time, it was pretty well tamed, But every now and then it would come out. Randy and I would go back and forth with just breaking up and getting back together. And um, I I did as much as I possibly could to hold on to her because she was like all I had, guys. Like, I didn't have a a, um, good relationship with my folks. Like, it was straight business. I clock in. I clock out. We happened to be in the same house. And that was it. I had no friends, none. I had Randy. And then she went off to college, right? And it was only down the street at VSU, 45 minutes, 84, down 84, not that far, but it was just long enough for me to feel alone, even though she was still there. I could drive there, we did did have cell phones at that time, but that wasn't the same as being shoulder to shoulder, right? Because that was my ride or die. If you guys try to mess with me, even to this day, y'all try to mess with me, y'all gotta answer to that girl tell you right now, y'all don't want none. So I'm by myself and, uh, I get reintroduced to cocaine. Uh, that's, it it was something that I kind of played around with in college because it was there. I went down to, I went down to Miami for two years in college. Okay. And I'm already like a, a wreck. I'm reckless. I'm not worried about what tomorrow is. And I'm, like, I'm experimenting with stuff down there. Come back here. And I, we got these employees, and they're like, that's what they're doing on the reg. Like, that's, this is what they do. And, and hey, boss's kid, like, let's go throw it down. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got nothing else to do. My girl ain't here. Why not? And it was a, a thing where it was occasional because I honestly, I prefer to eat. Like, I like to eat stuff. And if you do that stuff, you don't eat. And I preferred to eat. So it was occasional. Then it turned a little more frequent. And then it was straight up every day. Like a solid 12-month calendar year. There was not one day I didn't have it in my possession or in my system. And that was just, that was just another day for me. Okay? So bites start to get worse with me and Randy. She's wondering, where's all my money at? I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm grown, I know what I'm doing, living at my mama's house. <laughs> super grown, super grown. And um, all, we're, all me and Randy are doing, we're fighting. That's all we're doing is fighting. And she tells me about this guy. He goes, hey, there's this guy. I really want you to meet him. I think he can help us. I, I really think he can help us. Would you agree to meet with him? And I thought, well, because at this time, I'm so heavy into the substance. That's all I care about. Like I don't care about Randy. I don't care about my family. All I cared about was substance. So I thought, you know what? If Randy gets out the way, that leaves more money for me to buy drugs. Yeah. Let's get a referee. Let's go fight about this. And I will be alone with what I want. Substance. Whew. All right, that's the hard part. So, December... 17th, 2007? 18th. She's correction. I can't read it in here. December 18th. It was a Tuesday morning. Randy introduces me to this guy by the name of Larry Nunley. Okay? And and this is a couples therapy session. Um, and, And keeping in mind, nobody knew about what I was dealing with. Right? Nobody knew about the substance. Nobody knew about the insecurity, any of that. And we go to meet Pastor Larry and I'm thinking, OK, he's going to he's going to agree with me and he's going to get Randy off my back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Didn't work out that way. I go in and I, I'm, I'm I'm bashing my girl, guys. I'm slinging mud everywhere. She keeps telling me what to do and she's trying to be the boss of my life. And, and quite honestly, she was just making better decisions than me. <laughs> she was more mature than me. Right? Anyway, so Larry, Larry already knows what's going on. So as soon as I'm done flapping my gums, he goes, Hey, man, you, uh, you tired of being angry? I said, mm, Yeah, I think so. He goes, Okay, well, we can help with that. Um, do you mind if I pray for you? I'm like, Psh, Sure, why not? So close my eyes. He starts praying for me the uh, sal- prayer of salvation. And I I, I remember my shoulders, like, physically, like, going up. Like, I feel the weight of things just being lifted off my shoulders. Weirdest thing. And then when he's done, and I open up my eyes, like, it's just clear. Like, things looked clearer. Like, Randy will tell you, from from here to Tallahassee, because we went shopping after from here to Tallahassee, I'm just looking out the window like I just got to America. Like, like wow.
0: <laughs>
1: and that, that's, that's all I can say, right? Now, I wasn't instantly healed from the substance abuse. I'll tell you guys that right now. That first week wasn't too bad, but it was a solid three months before I really conquered that problem. Because uh, those, those dope boys, man, they were coming by the nail salon, especially if you go by one spot and you know you got four customers, oh yeah, they're coming every day. So I had to overcome that stuff, it got real uncomfortable with the employees that I was working with, because essentially they were there to work for me, and their boss is doing stupid stuff, but then the boss quit doing stupid stuff, so then I actually ended up losing employees, which actually worked out for the better, right? So... I get saved, figure out, you know what? This girl, Randy, she's aight. I think I need, to go, I need to go ahead and lock this one down because she knows, she knows what's good for me, and it's the truth. She just makes better decisions than me. She's more mature than me, um, all the above. So, is this it? Boom, we get married. Hottest day in June ever i was actually looking at people like, well, I'm going through wedding photos. There's a bunch of people, actually, that was up in here. Yeah, Rodney, you still got that thing going on in there? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Love you, man. And so I get, I get married, um, and, and I really thought after the substance abuse, like, okay, smooth sailing. This is going to be totally fine, right? But that's, like, not even close to what God had in store. Like, the substance abuse was whatever, Okay. But when I was telling you guys about all this internal stuff I had going on with my family, right? Like, I, I'm mad at everybody. I don't like none of y'all. You ain't getting a Christmas card from this guy, right? Like, I was that guy. And when I got married to Randy, I started to learn a little bit more about um, how to love people, you know, and how that's supposed to work. Because not everyone can be loved the same. Like, I'm the acts of service guy. Like, you want to show me love, make your a sandwich. And we are good. That's it. <laughs> My boss lady? Mm-mm. You got to come with more than a sandwich. <laughs> you got to come with a little more than a sandwich. You got to come with the time, the words of affirmation, all that stuff that, like, guy, this guy just didn't think about, right? So we get married. I'm learning all sorts of stuff. Um, I get accepted into, like, an amazing family, right? That's Randy's home team. Um, Mr. Grantham. The guy is phenomenal. Um, he serves as a great example for me day in and day out. Mrs. G, she didn't like me in the beginning, but that was warranted. That was warranted. I, I will. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's it's the truth. It is the truth. Um, my brother-in-law, Alan, he's the really thin guy on that side. Oh, I'm sorry. This side. This side. Um, Serves as a, a solid, solid mentor. Um, anything that I have to ask him career-wise. The guy's real quick to bring me back spiritually. It, it all comes back to the spirituality of how you're approaching life. Whether it's work, marriage, people. I hate to sound like that guy, but that's like a legit real thing, guys. It's all about where your heart is and what, what your focus is. For me, all right? I talked to you guys a little bit about my parents, okay? So, you know, talking about lenses, like, I opened up my eyes and everything was clear. Like, everything was being viewed through a different lens from that day forward that Tuesday in Jamie's old office in the back, like everything just looked different, right? So when I talked about my childhood and the things that just gripe me and things I didn't really care for, when I started to look at my, my parents, okay, my view, my view changed a little bit, okay? My, uh, like as long as I was on this planet all the way up until my adult life, I never once asked my mom and dad, about what their childhood was like Like, i didn't care i really didn't care because i was just that so self-absorbed myself i didn't care my parents grew up through the the vietnam war and it, it was it was different for them my my dad grew up in a in a house with 10 kids, he was number nine, right? So talking about rank, old boy was down at the bottom, (laughs) way bottom, and it showed. It actually showed. He, uh, my grandfather was a very tough guy, very tough guy. Um, My mom tells this crazy story about how my dad's twin brother uh, borrowed my grandfather's moped, and my, my grandfather was real extra and he would put these little lines in the sand so that if someone moved the thing he knew well my dad's twin brother my uncle um, borrowed the moped one night he wanted to go go pick up a girl with it right? imagine that and my grandfather found out and the punishment for bo- borrowing the moped was hanging onto a bar over a pot of boiling water like my dad won't even tell the story my mom tells it though and my dad has nothing to say about it which kind of confirms okay I think that really did happen He will not talk about it right my mom she uh, grew up in a house of nine kids she was number two so she was doing okay <laughs> I thought she was okay she, uh, and this is Randy, we're on a road trip with Randy, my mom, to go see her father, who's in Illinois, and my, Randy's asking about the childhood. I'm driving, and my mom, out of her mouth, says, uh, after Randy's asking all these questions, she goes, uh, my mom says, yeah, I got arrested one time. I'm like, oh, yeah. My like, cruise control, cruise control, seatbelts buckled. All right, let's hear this. And does anybody know what a garnishment or levy is? Ooh, okay. Okay. So y'all know. It's when the federal government comes in and they basically put a cap on your checking or savings account, liquid assets, your paper cash. Government comes in, they they do their thing, and they do it because back taxes, child support, what have you, right? It's usually, it's actually a very big deal. I work at a bank, and I don't see it that often. I've seen it maybe like three times, and it's a big deal. So my mom goes down to the bank and this is after the fall of Saigon in 75. She goes to the bank and there's a a crowd of people there and everyone is mad, like just furious. And it turns out that the, when the North came in, they garnished and levied everyone's account down South, right? What did they do? Legit, nothing. They were minding their business, they were working, just trying to get by, guys. And they levied everyone's account in the village. So, my mom wasn't feeling that. They called the cops, she got locked up. (laughs) So when I think about stuff like that, my childhood wasn't that bad. If anything, my parents were really doing the best they could with what they had and given the experiences they had i didn't have to hold myself over a pot of boiling water i got hit pretty hard that's what i get for lying in a way now another thing i'll share with you guys like my parents go through all this stuff it's very very interesting i won't even get into all that and my um i'm almost there my parents are done with it they're like you know what We can't live here. So my mom hops on a boat with her little brother with a couple bucks in her pocket, some clothes. We're out. Don't know where we're going, but we ain't staying here. Oddly enough, my dad, same thing. He ends up getting drafted by the North Vietnamese Army, the Viet Cong, that my dad hated. And in a way, my parents, my grandparents, my grandparents. It's actually a really raw deal, I'm not gonna talk about, but my father got thrown up on the chopping block for that. He was done. So him, his twin brother, little brother, and two nephews grab a couple bucks, grab some clothes, they're out. Where are they going? Not a clue. They just wanted out. They make it to New Orleans. They do okay there. Eventually, they make it to Massachusetts, where they start their family. <laughs> the uh, we all we all just got health benefits, so we're like, yeah. <laughs> um, my my parents they risked a lot for us. So when I think about the the rank or the. Just the childhood. Like, I, I'm okay. And my parents, they did pretty good. Pretty good, given the circumstances. When they, when they got on the boat, um, there's another funny story. They get on the boat, they actually land in a uh, refugee camp in Laos. And my dad's boat, my mom's boat made it on fine, but my dad's boat, they wouldn't let his boat on, onto the land because it was over flooded. So my dad has told me this story once, and it's like the craziest thing. So some guy on the boat thinks, you know what? Those guys aren't going to let us sink. They poke a hole in the boat. They poked a the hole in the boat so that the people would let, so the Laotian government would let them in. Like, who does that? People that are desperate, that want to live. You're like kind of, about to drown yourself, hoping that you will live. Like that, just is crazy to me. Oh yeah, I'm like way up here. So, talking about again my childhood, right? Like, so my parents put me to work all the time, and it wasn't because I was uh, the second kid. It it wasn't. It's was because I was a little crap banger that was not I was not an easy kid like I was mischievous I ran the streets proof is in the pudding guys like I, I was a bad kid <laughs> my older brother right freakishly smart very well behaved super polite um, they, were, they were just solid differences and actually if you stack rank me and my, my siblings in the, by report card Oh, yeah, I was on the bottom. <laughs> I was definitely on the bottom part of that list academically, right? Um, when I was talking about the, the car, my, my big brother being gifted a car at 16 and I had to work for mine and all that other stuff, my parents weren't like mean where they're like, oh, you're not, you're not, our, you're not the number one son, you can't have one, or usually you're not worthy enough. Like, they didn't give me a car because I wasn't ready for one. Like, when I got my car, when I got my ride, 98 Integra, dumped on the ground. I think was pretty. When I got it, I didn't even have the car 12 months. Like, I totaled it. My first car, I totaled it. My parents knew what they were doing, guys. They didn't, it's not that they didn't love me. It's like they were protecting me because they knew They knew what I was going to do. So what else do we got here, guys? So as I look out into this, into my life through this new lens, okay, like things just got cool for me. Like, where I have my, my, my two brothers, my sister, my mom, and my dad, we've had a busted-up relationship for as long as I've been alive, guys. As long as I've been alive. And, and it still carried through my salvation, getting saved. Like, God, like, restored my family. Not even trying. Like, I think about the. Like, I totally came up here thinking, I'm going to talk about the substance abuse, and it's going to be groundbreaking, <laughs> No, substance abuse was nothing. What he did in my family guys is the miracle. Like my my mom called my wife on the fourth of July after we got married. You remember that in Ocala? Like she called. (sighs) My mom called my called me to talk to my wife to ask her how her fourth of July was. Guys, that was it. And I wept. Wet. No tears. I'm cool now, right? But that that's the type of relationship I had, guys, before God. And I let him in thinking about this immediate need, and God's like, okay, well, I got that, but this other stuff here, I'll take care of that too. All I had to do was be faithful and give it, give it all to Him and trust Him. With every being in my body. And it's not easy. As regular guys, that ain't easy. But it takes time. Things turn out okay. (laughs) Things turn out pretty okay for us. Now, after healing this cabosal of a situation, God was kind enough to give me something else that I really never knew I wanted. It's like a family of my own. Like, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought of having a kid, right? But he gave us a daughter. name is Trinley, sassy thing, like her mama. But she's amazing. And, and it's just a friendly reminder every day why I took my shirt in. Like, I need to be better for her. God, you mind helping me out with that? Because I need him every day. If I'm being honest, and then he gave me another one, A little boy he was just like me and he eats like me, which is kind of messed up. <laughs> like the second I let God into my life, guys, like there were just things like I knew I needed, I needed help with, but all this other stuff with my family and it happens to be family Sunday. The timing of this is ridiculous. But the stuff that I actually needed, that I actually like, valued in life, that I didn't even realize I cared about. like God hooked me up. And all I had to do was give it to him and be nice to people. right? Cut, cut people some slack. Because we have no idea what's going on out there. And, and that lens, that clear lens, has made things rather helpful. So, in closing... I ask each of you, when you guys like look out into the world, like what lens are you guys looking through? Is it that foggy one that with the red tint that I've been using? Or is it like that freakishly clear one where you can see everything on the road? I hope if anything, today you guys get something out of this. God's awesome. You have no idea what he's going to do. Jamie, if I may, thank you guys. Hey,
0: once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.